94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We have the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. We do appreciate you. A recent report from the World Journal of Men's Health says researchers have found coronavirus can attack blood vessels in male reproductive organs. And uh, the story says Lieutenant Governor Josh Green agrees with the results of the studies. He's warning erectile dysfunction can be a long-term side effect of coronavirus. He says now some men who are still indecisive about getting their shots will change their minds. Is this a real study? Are these real findings? Uh, Yes. Unfortunately, uh, even the Cleveland Clinic has been working on some of this. They've had uh, some case studies of of several individuals that have had quite um, quite a serious challenge with with the coronavirus. And what people need to know is viruses, when they attack our systems in general, and I'm building up, obviously, to the punchline here. But (laughs) when they systems, viruses affect, um, for instance, when they affect the brain, that's called encephalitis Mm -hmm. uh, and there's inflammation when they affect our heart a myocarditis, that itis is the inflammation from the infection, um, and and they cause damage. But they can cause uh, inflammation or affect any tissues. And when the tissue is swollen or damaged like that, it doesn't function normally. And so unfortunately, if nerve material is damaged or if there's inflammation elsewhere, then things don't just work right. And in this particular case is that it has caused, in some cases, erectile dysfunction or impotence in individuals that had severe cases of COVID. And so it's yet another reason to get vaccinated. So if I may, it is simply not hard to get vaccinated. <laughs> I, I was thinking we were going to go there and I just was wondering how he was going to do it. There Everybody's go. got jokes this morning. There you go. As long as he's not getting a text from his wife, we're good. <laughs> oh no, that's coming. I'm sure. <laughs> We're going to take it back a half dodge. We, we joke, but these viruses are severe and they do affect us. And that's, there are many reasons. Some mm-hmm. people are getting vaccinated. They want to travel more easily. Some people are getting vaccinated because they don't want to spread it to their kupuna. Some people are getting vaccinated because they're worried about long COVID, uh, which is what we're kind of addressing today, the long-term effects of COVID. And there will be many reasons. But I'm not joking. When people talk about issues about sexuality and sexual dysfunction, that's serious stuff. And it's the kind of stuff people don't talk. It's probably been underreported. And when these kind of diseases strike, there's lots of issues. So mm. if this is the reason that another 5% of people get vaccinated that weren't, that were somehow on the fence, hey, man, I'm, I'm pumped up that they did choose to get vaccinated for whatever reason. So uh, please do. If it happens to be this crazy story, that's wonderful. If it's because you're sick and tired of of wearing a mask and you want to see the full benefits of what the CDC has recommended and which we will get to eventually in our state. That's another great reason. Or if you uh, don't want to have COVID, you know what, I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah, then you've got, uh, you know, you've got another reason. So all things being equal, we passed a milestone. We, we touched uh, 1.5 million Shots in our state, 1,511,715, according to the CDC. They're a little ahead of us at the count, which is great. That's three-quarters of the way to essentially widespread immunity. Uh, We're really getting there, and I do believe that we're going to see a precipitous drop in our case counts in the coming weeks. Okay. Looking forward to that, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you, though, was if people are going to come to you with, okay, 
You're just making this stuff up because uh, we've been having so much. It's false. It's fake. It's blah, blah, blah. I mean, what is your response to these people? Because they're going to say it's just another way to tell people to go get a vaccination. Well, I'll tell them they're right. It is another way to tell people to go get a vaccination. But when these cases are occurring at the Cleveland Clinic and other places where they're actually treating patients, it's very real. And uh, the science is a, uh, you know, it's an approach. It's the appropriate approach to dealing with um, viruses or pandemics. The appropriate approach is that not getting online and just beefing with people because you have a, a fixed ideology. I don't begrudge people not getting vaccinated. If they make that choice, that's their personal choice. But I don't think sharing um, intentionally sharing fake information is okay. So people could say what they want. I think that you probably have a fixed number of people in society that just really don't want vaccines to be part of what we do. And look, I've decided kind of to understand that people have very different beliefs and that's okay. Overall, though, vaccines are extraordinarily helpful in keeping humans alive. We wouldn't have survived many of the, the major outbreaks of meningitis, of some of the flu vaccines have saved us from catastrophic uh, pandemics. It has to happen, especially now that we're all kind of packed together in society and cities and populations that are not spread out. So they could say that. That's okay. Uh, but I think that overall the battle being won with science and with thoughtful discussion and discourse. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, so I heard Hilton Radel on the air this week talking about the concern that infections are not falling as quickly as one would think with that many people vaccinated in Hawaii. Um, Lieutenant Governor, do you have a response on that? Yeah, well, look, I, I really, I'm very close to Hilton and I agree almost always with what he says. And the, the concern about the about the cases not dropping off already down into the 20s or 30s, it's real. What we're seeing, though, is that the impact of clusters has an outsized effect on our numbers in such a small state. So, for instance, that one church that um, had 50-plus cases, Mm -hmm. a cluster, a single cluster can mess up your numbers for a whole week because, you know, a a pocket of individuals that have refused to get vaccinated for whatever reason, be a, a philosophical reason or religious reason or just a personal health reason, if they don't do it and they create kind of an echo chamber to not practice public health, there will be an outbreak. And so you'll see those numbers. But what we're not seeing is as much widespread community spread as we've had. And that's very good. We've seen also the numbers on the neighbor islands settle down to almost nothing. I mean, you you could argue that Big Island and Kauai have essentially knocked it out. And Maui has really brought their numbers back into check. In Honolulu, you just have you know, a million people that still gather. And what I think will happen is when we touch the, um, you know, the, essentially the 55 to 60 percent fully immune statewide number, which we're right at the we're right at the cusp of, that's when they saw in Israel, which is an isolated country where they're very careful about letting people in or out, they saw their numbers plummet down into like the the 15 to 20 range for several days, almost no cases. That's what we're going to see. And they have uh, 6 million people, so they're much larger than us. So that's what's going to happen. Would I like the numbers to be gone already? Sure. Of course I would. But our hospital numbers, I will tell you, are are dropping like a rock now. A week ago when we were on together, we had 52 cases. Now we're down at 40 cases. So that's that's a 20% drop. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see a continued drop 
in the hospital cases and fatalities because I know for a fact that people, it's not our kupuna who are widely being hospitalized. It's younger people because that's where the cases are. So that's better. And hopefully this time next week we'll be talking instead of um, about 1.5 million shots, we'll be Mm -hmm. talking about 1.6 million. Uh, I think we will get to 1.6 million shots by the time uh, June 1st hits. And that, again, keeps us right on track to get to that 2 million mark around July 4th. Mm. There's no way the virus is going to be spreading uh, as badly as it did before with this number of people vaccinated. No way. So anticipating that uh, the infection rates will continue to fall, what is the threshold for Governor David Ige to drop the mask mandate for Hawaii? When do you think that's going to happen? Uh, I think he'll continue to slowly adjust it. Gov is very, um, very conservative on this kind of matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of health will tell you months ago, we actually had kind of had a, an understanding that you did not need to wear masks if you're fully vaccinated outdoors, unless you were within six feet. He stuck to that because uh, 15 or 16 states have been a little bit more cautious and you're just seeing smaller incremental changes. It's my guess that when we reach 60% of our state being fully immunized, which, like you know, is coming quite soon, that he will be more willing to take down that extra step and that extra precaution. And then I think when we touch 70%, which is going to happen in early July, the, the final changes will go into effect and we'll be able to do so many things. What I would expect next you'll see is, again, some further adjustment of um, the severity of the mask mandate which, by the way, does stop COVID from spreading, which is quite good. And then in early June, my expectation, although we still have to get the final word, my expectation is we will be able to use our vaccine completion uh, as residents, our cards, if we've been fully vaccinated, plus the 14 days to travel back from the mainland without having to get a test. But we've already done uh, 15,000 trips inter-island with that, and it's worked basically perfectly. And that saved us, you know, like uh, almost $1.5 million of our, you know, of our money so we don't have to test. We'll be allowed to do that in early June. I'm thinking June, maybe June 8th or June 15th, uh, depending what the gov finally approves. And then about a month later, I'm hopeful that we will be able to extend that, uh, that courtesy or that program to anyone traveling to Hawaii if mm-hmm. they've been fully vaccinated plus 14 days. I can tell you already we're going to recover economically, thank goodness. I also know that this created a shock to our system, and we now are fully aware that we have to diversify our economy in smart ways, which is something I'll work on for the next several years, uh, if people would like me to. And it's just, um, there's just a very different uh, mindset out there now. But if we're talking about COVID, we're getting into a better place. And I know what the website says, it says 47% fully completed of the population, 55% mm-hmm. initiated. Keep in mind, that's of the total population. And children under 12 are not able to get vaccinated yet, of which there's at least like 200,000 people under age 12 in our society. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about the percent of our population that can be vaccinated, it's now over 75% uh, have got at least one shot. And in two to three weeks, all of those people, virtually all of them, will have had their second shot and be fully immune. So that means that 75% plus of all adults will be uh, done with their vaccinations. And a really large portion of 
um, 16 to 18 year olds will be done because they've had some extra time. And now many 12 to 15 year olds like my daughter will be vaccinated. Mm, so, mm-hmm. you know, you're really going to see us start pressing um, statewide, the statewide number over 70 percent. Plus, don't forget, uh, we have 35,000 plus people in Hawaii that are confirmed who have had to have had COVID. And so that 35,000 uh, people you know, if you look at the total population, that's another like 2.5% immunity at least, if not more, because more people than that had COVID. So you're really starting to, to make the case that we should have widespread immunity. But we'll watch to make sure it's reflected in the actual numbers. And, and I think that's why we've really, really wanted uh, to follow these numbers carefully, because people are, you know, they're very, they feel... I think appreciative when they're respected enough to see the data themselves and make up their own minds. And so I'm hoping that Hilton and I will be able to announce much lower numbers this time next week. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Uh, Taking a question off of Facebook, um, uh, Jansen Bohm says, what do you think of Texas doing great after lifting the mask mandate? Why are we not following the science and data here in Hawaii? Well, we are. I'm not so sure Texas has done great. Uh, although they are spread out quite a lot, which does have some benefits uh, to them. But they have cities also. Texas has had quite a few surges that Hawaii did not have to endure for uh, for not having been socially distanced or masked over the many months. You know, if you, if you really want to look at the data, Hawaii has the lowest per capita rate of COVID of any state by a big margin, the lowest mortality rate by big margins. So actually, Hawaii's uh, process our process has been infinitely better than any other state uh but look i'm rooting for every state i want big states small states everyone to get vaccinated and to move on and i do think that look let's be very clear if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors you do not need to wear a mask unless you're within six feet of someone else and that's just governor Ige's caution to people uh she knows as do you i overall prefer a simple message, a more straightforward message, and sticking with the federal message would make that a little bit easier. But in time, you know, the gov sometimes likes to take a couple extra weeks to mull these things over, and mm-hmm. that's probably just the nature of being a governor during a pandemic. Um, another listener's question. So they're asking about, so now we've been in the quote-unquote vaccine passport. There's a question oh. about now about um, standardizing the way that it works from one airport to the next. So this particular person, it says, uh, the treatment that travelers get from local personnel is very different airport to airport. One airport scans your QR code and sends you on your way. Another airport demands to see your vaccine card and asks you about your vaccination dates and locations. What plans do we have to standardize treatment of travelers? between the islands because that's a pretty complicated question which i'll do my best to help you with so mm. first we're just 10 days or 11 days in even though it feels like two weeks or more so um you know at the two-week mark i intend to send a memo over giving the governor an update on exactly how it's going he hears a lot of this day in and day out from all the players uh it's been flawless so far the reason that it's not standardized is because the counties need to be able to enforce uh an entry that's just that simple it's it's not a statewide uh, law enforcement system the counties themselves are unique where they do law enforcement so each mayor has a different approach and they've all had different successes on covid we've also all had bumpy moments on covid too but we don't want to micromanage or undermine them when it comes to how they do public safety so that's the reason 
in general, in my opinion, it should be sufficient just to check the card. And that's where we're overall headed. People have updated it or rather uploaded it. And then you check the card and the story. But having an extra 20 minutes here or there, which is a drag, I understand, is a small price to pay overall for knowing that we have a thoughtful process to keep COVID from spreading. Uh, we'll get a lot more relaxed when we have herd immunity here in, in Hawaii. That's going to be fantastic, but we're not quite there yet. So that's why the mayors, they don't want to be the county that has an uptick in cases here at the end. They don't want to be the county that has a, a you know an outbreak or a surge at the last moment. So I'm respectful of them. And I, you know, I hope over time, especially once we get to the point when we have travel from the mainland for any visitor using their vaccine card. I hope that we will really streamline things because I, I don't think it needs to be rocket science. Um, wanted to pivot a little bit to talk about our public schools. This was actually a big week for um, announcements in terms of how our schools will come back in the fall. And uh, so, Lieutenant Governor, my, my question to you is, what is that going to look like? Like, when our students go back in the fall, will masks still be required? Will there be social distancing enforced in the classrooms? Um, and are you sensing, uh, are you receiving any pushback from people who don't think it is the time to uh, open the schools yet that way? Not really very much pushback. It, there seems to be an overwhelming sentiment that um, parents want their kids back in school. Mm-hmm. How many people vaccinated uh, will make a difference as to when the rules can be relaxed on kids wearing masks in school? I think it will probably be prudent through this fall for kids to wear masks, especially because we know it's going to be difficult to fully socially distance. Six feet in classrooms is difficult, and the CDC gave you know, kind of gave us the green light to go to three feet. Uh, there should not be much spread. There has not been much spread in schools. And the public schools have not demonstrated trans, uh, transmission, though, of course, there have been limited numbers of people in classes uh, this year. Uh, Dr. Kishimoto told us that a couple days ago. I think we will still want to recommend masks for our keiki for a time. But when, when we reach herd immunity this summer and when we assess the total number of cases, That'll be the time to make that final determination. Not all children are going to be vaccinated because, for one, right now, kids under 12 can't get vaccinated yet. That will change in about three weeks, I'm guessing, to to where we're able to go down to age five. Five to 11 will probably be authorized. But there may be some reluctance among parents to go that low age-wise with the vaccine. So that tells me that elementary schools will want to keep masks on through the fall until we see, you know, really the pandemic ended. There are going to be moments, both nationally and here in the state, where declarations are made that COVID is no longer a threat to public health. And when that happens, you can expect a lot of the restrictions to finally go out the window. We may still do some smart things. We might be more careful about anyone coming to school with any fevers whatsoever. That should be a a standard anyway. People should stay home and not spread colds or flu also. But it won't be COVID that's dragging us down. So I think the schools must be open fully, and that is the plan. That is the policy for the fall. There's going to be a lot of summer school this year, and there's going to be a lot of vaccination clinics available at schools for our cakey. So what I would say to parents, if you're on the fence, please call your pediatrician and talk to them. Let them give you the best advice they have. But the most important thing is uh, really the thing is, is that kids are back in school because we can't let another semester slip away. That's just causing too much damage to their development. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Um, You know, 
Following up on the education thing, we were talking about kids in like elementary and high school, intermediate school. Uh, what about UH? Because the um, the news broke about people, the the kids, if they want to come back to school in person, they have to be vaccinated yeah. before they can do that. Um, will faculty be required as well? Uh, and how come we don't have this requirement happening in public school? Uh, that is a really, you know, again, challenging question, but let me try uh, to give you some perspective. Universities across the country over the years have always had a pretty high standard of vaccination because outbreaks of certain types can be very lethal among college students. Uh, meningitis is one example. And if people aren't vaccinated and you get an outbreak of meningitis, it's very hard to contain and it can cause fatalities. The same, of course, has been a concern of COVID. And that's why uh, President Lassner made that decision. It's somewhat controversial, but I will tell you a couple things. It won't go into effect until the FDA fully approves this vaccine. So that might be some time off. And also, he did give us an assurance that people have, if they have a religious concern or a health uh, consideration that prevents them from choosing to be vaccinated, they will be able to get an exemption. So that's important. But very few people will probably do that because there have been very few people asking for exemptions. Just low, you know, numbers in like the single digits or teens of people asking for exemptions from those other vaccinations over the years. Of course, people, our students will be offered all the opportunities you can imagine to do uh, their coursework online and they will make other accommodations for people. Uh, I think it is only fair probably, and though this has to be dealt, I think at the union level, uh, that if they're going to insist that, that the students are about fully vaccinated to teach in person, they're very likely, I think, to ask that professors of which an overwhelming majority are being vaccinated, would also be vac vaccinated if they're going to teach in person, face-to-face. -face. I think the professors are really going to overwhelmingly want to be vaccinated and not catch COVID. Now, the public schools are a separate issue. You're talking now about a vast swath of society, and people do have a right to make a decision, especially when it's an emergency-use authorized vaccine, of whether or not they want themselves or their family to get vaccinated. So. That would be, in my opinion, an overreach, and that's not where we're headed. Uh, by all uh, conversations I'm having, that's not where we're headed at all to mandate vaccines in our public schools, but we are encouraging. I mean, I'm personally strongly encouraging parents out there to talk to their pediatricians and get their kids vaccinated because you don't know, for one, whether or not a bad variant could come. We also don't know that if an outbreak occurs, it's not going to spread from the children back home to their parents or grandparents one of the main reasons for kids to get vaccinated. So there's lots and lots of reasons. And then finally, society functions as a single organism. And our kids, zero to age 18, represent 310,000 out of our 1.4 million people. So three-fourteenths of our population, that's over 20%. In order to get full herd immunity and end this pandemic, we're going to need a fair number of them to, to either be immune from infection or immune from vaccination. And so I'm really encouraging people to do it and if if i'm not mistaken a lot of young people are because i know in my family my daughter she wanted to get vaccinated on the first day or immediately because it changes the way she can live her life she can be more uh she can be more gregarious she can be with her friends more mm -hmm. it can be out it's a lot easier and that, that's a big part of people's decisions so all of these things play in I'm confident by fall we're going to have widespread herd immunity here in Hawaii and very low case counts. But we should still be safe and smart. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you, sir. Lieutenant Governor, uh, real quick follow-up on something else. The safe events plan, 
Yeah. Uh, just yeah. curious how it's going to work, how it's how it's going, concerts, conventions, theater yeah. stuff. Yes. So, okay. So this is a, a more complicated uh, plan than than people might think. So right now, the proposal, which is being finalized, would would do the following: when we reach certain milestones in society, we can open up to larger events. And my hope and expectation is that uh, by the time we get later into the summer and into the fall, that we have no restrictions on large events, provided people uh, do two things, that they are prepared to mask up at events where they're going to be, you know, huddled together, if it's a concert or whatever, for a couple hours. And also there should be a commitment on people's parts that they are vaccinated or tested prior to going to these events. So. If you are vaccinated, you would go to an event without any um, concern at all. And if a person just feels strongly that they're not going to be vaccinated, we will ask them respectfully to get at least an antigen test within 72 hours of going to the event. That would keep case counts uh, non-existent or minimally uh, concerning from large events. I won't have any concern in general once we get to herd immunity. But if we want to have Labor Day concerts or what have you, especially indoors, then we should be mindful. Outdoor arenas, I wouldn't have a, a single problem right now having large events because, uh, once again, there's not much transmission outdoors and a lot of our people are vaccinated. But you'll see the final details of that plan uh, come out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Gov will have to assess it. Uh, the Department of Health has been very receptive to using these milestones. I'm saying that 60% and 70% are the large milestones we should be using uh, to make our recommendations that's 60 and 70% immune status for our population, mm-hmm. our total population. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get to 70% of your total population immune and you still haven't even been able to vaccinate young people, you're really cooking then. And remember, these events are not going to include uh, six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. It's going to be adults at whatever these amazing concerts are going to come back to us. So I'm expecting that to be approved. I think that it kind of runs in some ways in parallel with opening up and our standards for travel into the state and how we use our vaccine cards. So we're just a little bit more conservative and that conservative uh, behavior has you know, been reflected in lower case counts and lower deaths. So, you know, people have to judge it on whatever terms they want to. But I'm grateful for that. Oh, that's yeah. Got it. Uh, a follow up question, I think, is for people who are not vaccinated, then let me just sort of be the devil's advocate here. Will they be excluded? No, they should not be excluded. If people don't get vaccinated, they just should be safe and uh, they should expect to mask up like everyone else. And my recommendation is going to be that they go get an antigen test. Uh, within 72 hours, which is the cheap test. That's the test that costs you 10 or 20 bucks, not, you know, $110. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were working with the promoters of some of these organizations uh, and other health entities to make it very available and easy for people to get a rapid antigen test. Not like, you know, the waiting for three day thing, uh, but instead just a check because I do think most people are responsible. There are definitely examples where people are fully un- or irresponsible and they're going out to, you know, go out of their way to flaunt the system and the rules. But for the most part, people want to be safe. None of us want to be a part of a cluster where there's a lot of cases. And if, if you're talking to someone and you think they're showing off and they're, they're willing to take risks, they'll ruin it for all of us. And so 
if you or your, you know, if you're talking to your friend and they're saying something like that, please kind of give them a little bit of a, you know, a punch in the arm and say, hey, man, you know, if, if there's an outbreak, it's going to also affect me and my family. So uh, I think that's where we're going. And all things being equal, once we reach herd immunity, we shouldn't obsess anyway on these rules. But we're not quite there yet. That's why I'm doing this plan. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. We appreciate it, as uh, you do every week. Uh, joining us here on the radio uh, to talk us through all these myriad numbers of things <laughs> that we're discussing with regards to uh, to the COVID-19 crisis. Thank you for being on it and uh, and always being honest with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Look, I'm glad, I'm glad that you didn't um, force me down the line of excessive talk about uh, fertility. And uh, look, I'm looking forward to incentivizing people yet to get vaccinated and getting back to normal and having concerts. I, you know, we're, we need to have normal return. And that includes the very good questions you asked about schools and uh, all those standards. It's, it's a process, right? But it's a process that Hawaii is winning as compared to what many other states went through. And mm-hmm. so just, I want to say thank you to everybody for being so thoughtful and patient. And when we reflect on 20 and you know, 2020 and 2021, we will look at it as the storm that raged through the world, including hitting Hawaii, and that we came through with far less damage than many other places. And we should be thankful for that. And hopefully that will inform how we go forward uh, in the future. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Mahalo. Have a great weekend.